listening to episode 233 of the Ruby on Rails podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Daigle. It's good to be back this week. I've invited back Britt, who's going to give us an update on her talk and how that went, a little bit more about Action Cable, and uh, some information on uh, Amazon Alexa and what she's doing there, teaching people how to code using uh, uh, Alexa, Echo, and Echo Dot. So it's pretty it's pretty cool, so give it a listen. Uh, this week, I am going to be at Slack Frontiers, Slack's conference in San Francisco. So if you're going to be there, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. Uh, I'd love to say hi uh, and, and meet you, maybe get a coffee or something like that. So uh, I'll be there this week. Uh, and then next week, I think we're going to have Brian back uh, talk a little bit about CSS frameworks. So uh, back in the swing of things. Uh, coming up soon is uh, GitHub Universe, which will be taking a fair bit of my attention. So there might be a couple of episodes where, as you've seen <laughs> the gap already, where either there'll be a gap week or uh, I'll do an interview and put that in in place of our normal uh, co-hosts. But um, if you're not already going to be out there, uh, not sponsored, but they do employ me, uh, come to GitHub Universe. I'd love to meet you. Uh, a bunch of people from the API teams will be there, um, and they would love to talk to you too. So uh, come and give it a shot. This week's episode is sponsored in part by Rollbar. One of the most frustrating things I have to deal with <laughs> in a web application is errors. Uh, they don't have enough information. They have too much information. Uh, you can't find them. You have to dig through log files to debug them. And Rollbar is here to help you. Rollbar's easy error monitoring. You get the full stack trace, context, and user data to help you find and fix impactful errors super fast. You can integrate Rollbar into your existing workflow. You can send it to chat. You can send it to Slack, to HipChat, create new issues, new tickets, and Jira, Pivotal Tracker, Trello, and it's pretty easy to install. Just gem install Rollbar and you can start tracking errors in minutes. A whole bunch of information is sent with each error. Um, request data from any rack framework. It supports all kinds of queuing frameworks like Rescue, Sidekick, Delayed Job. You can you can configure Rollbar's front-end JavaScript SDK without having to install it manually. And deep link your GitHub repos, which is my favorite feature of Rollbar. It's pretty awesome. If this interests you, you have errors and you need to track them, go to rollbar.com slash Ruby, sign up, and you'll get the bootstrap plan for free. So go give that a check out. Loved by developers at awesome companies like Heroku, Twilio, Kayak, Zendesk, Twitch, and more. Go give Rollbar a try today. Rollbar.com slash Ruby, sign up and get the bootstrap plan for free. Thank you so much to Rollbar for sponsoring the podcast. If you're going to be at Slack Frontiers, hit me up on Twitter at KDaigle. I'd love to meet you. Now on to the show. So I've been trolling Hacker News to make sure I didn't miss a story about a woman giving an excellent talk and then breaking both legs in a tragic roller derby accident. It, that didn't happen. It didn't. And so <laughs> I'm assuming that the last time we talked or you were telling us you were going to do a talk that you have survived. And I, I did see, I wasn't able to watch the video you sent over yet, but I did see the still and you are uh, you are in your roller derby gear. I am. I'm in full costume. I did full makeup, but I did not do the skates. But because oh no, boo. <laughs> well, they made me go first, and All so right. it was a small platform, and 
they filmed it from like the knees up. So yeah, I pretty yeah. much should just tell everybody I was on skates and I'd probably get away I know, with it. I never would have known. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's too bad. I was so excited to hear about you when you're triumphant. Like I had to build a ramp and everything. <laughs> no dice. No dice. Maybe next year. You know, you, you, you have to have goals. Like I want to believe that I peaked at this conference, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, how did it go? It, uh, went, was it, it went really well. Um, it was definitely one of those situations and I think you're familiar with this where you have a terrible rehearsal and a great performance. Exactly. Sure. So I went to the rehearsal and I was the first to rehearse. The microphone failed halfway through and they were putting up the wrong slides to the point where I just stopped and I was like, I can't do this. And they're like, oh, you're right. We'll fix that. Okay, bye. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) But it was one of those things where you get up on stage and you start to talk and all of a sudden you're not there anymore. And I think my roller derby alter ego, which is Norma Skates, like Norman Bates, just took over. Oh, I love it. She stepped in and she, she, uh, she rocked that five minutes. And then I stepped off stage and I was like... Oh my God, I'm done. I'm done. It was, it was the most wonderful elation after being done. I'm really glad that I did it, but I really pushed it. (laughs) I really had to push the, the, uh, introvert self to the side a little bit. Yeah. So the last time we talked, we talked a little bit about like strategies and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, like after doing that, uh, is there anything you would sort of, uh, tell someone that wants to do, you know, a lightning talk or a talk at a conference, uh, based on your experience now? Definitely. One of the two things that really helped me is that I would sit and record myself giving the talk, both with Mm -hmm. the slides and without, and then I would play it in the car and try to go along with it. And Ooh, that is so smart. I probably looked crazy because I would just be staring ahead and just reciting this thing over and over again. But that really helps. Also, don't forget that you're really funny. Um, I had several jokes in there that all of my coworkers are pretty used to. <laughs> and so sure. if I rehearsed in front of them, they wouldn't laugh. And so you would forget that you're funny. And so what I ended up doing was rehearsing in front of people that just don't regularly hear from me a lot. And they would laugh mm-hmm. so hard that I would have to stop talking. And because the slides auto advance every 15 seconds, mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. had to like fill in those those laugh spots. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. I re- so I, I really, really love the idea of recording you and then listening so to like practice with yourself Definitely. instead. Because I've heard like like Zach Holman uh, who talks a bit about like, you know, giving talks and uh, his advice was basically like record yourself so you can listen to yourself and, and find the ticks that you have, you know, um, and that sounds horrible. <laughs> like I, I totally understand the value in it, yes. but uh that sounds absolutely horrible, <laughs> but doing it for the sake of, you know, making sure this, especially like for, like when you were doing where it's auto advancing, you obviously kind of can't, you know, meander, Mm-mm. you, you got to go where you got to go and that's that. Um, but I, I think for talks that are a bit longer, even like, um, uh, like I'm prepping a, a talk for GitHub universe and I really like the idea of recording, uh, the talk so as to find your like key points, you know, um, 
Like that's usually what I end up doing is I kind of write that's like the two sentences that I, I want to deliver verbatim, you know, so I can kind of like always go from my idea to the next idea without necessarily sounding uh, so like pre-recorded. And so I think that by recording the talk and just playing it in the car, like while I'm dropping the kid off at daycare or maybe on the way back once he's gone, <laughs> so he isn't like really confused. Um, I really like that idea of so you can really make sure you have it and still, like you said, still react when people like laugh or don't laugh or whatever, but um, but still be be able to make sure you get all the information in. I think that's awesome. Definitely. And I think so I, I went rock climbing or bouldering bouldering inside last weekend and it just kind of made me think where if you're going up a wall and you're in a tight jam and you see like a really nice ledge, you're like, oh if I make it to this ledge, it's gonna be okay. And so I felt throughout my slides, there were just some slides where it's just like I really knew those slides. So if I ever got like a stray, it's almost like you would you have a big sigh of relief mm -hmm. when you hit that ledge because you're like, OK, no matter what's happened before, I've made it to this ledge and I can just keep going. And you'll yeah. you'll see in my talk that like I visibly relax about 30 percent of the way in because you're like, I know this. But it's funny. I did it about a couple weeks ago. And when I watch the talk now. I don't remember half of it. <laughs> so, That's so funny. It's so funny that you can just like take in so much knowledge and then do it. You know, it's just like studying for exams. You know, you just cram as much as you can and then you just you got to get it done once and then smooth sailing from there. Now you have the recording. So it's done. Awesome. So how is how is prep going for GitHub Universe? Uh, good. Uh, yeah. GitHub Universe this, uh, year, uh, October, I want to say like 11th and 12th, uh, right after Columbus day. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, our second year of doing like a platform day first. So we get to talk to all the integrators and partners first for one day and then the two day conference. Um, and this is, this will be, uh, my third year talking at it. And so I'm excited, but, uh, kind of happy to also, uh, <laughs> hand the baton off to a lot of great people, uh, uh, from my teams who are going to be giving talks at the conference. So, uh, this time around, to be honest, it's a lot more, uh, helping people sort of come up with topics and reviewing talks and doing rehearsals than it is, uh, my own talk. My, my, my talk is, uh, basically about like building an integration on GitHub, what it what it's actually like from the integrator's perspective, what it's like building businesses and then like selling your integration. So I'm kind of more like um, Mr. Roger Rogersering it up, like where I'm just basically like going from vignette to vignette sort of, you know, uh, where I'm like, oh, and this this company did this and like here's here's what they said and and so it's less kind of uh, like um, a, like a normal talk that I would do where it's like, here's an idea and let me show it to you and let me show you how it's a little bit different than you thought, that sort of thing. Um, so it, it's it's a it more it's an interesting challenge for me because it's not really my content, you know. Like I'm just trying to sort of uh, it's like writing a research paper, but in talk form, where I want to make sure the sources get most of the credit. If that makes sense, like instead of me being like, "Look how smart I am for drawing this link," it's more like, "Let me just like bring you along this journey, so that way, if you want to go on this journey too, at some point, um, you know, there's these people that you can sort of look to and say, "Oh yeah, they did it, so I could do it too." Um, so it, it, it's good. It's going to be, uh, if you haven't been, uh, not, this is not a sponsored slot, but if you <laughs> haven't been, I, I really think it's a, just a badass conference to attend, to be honest. Like, uh, the GitHub events team just always does such an amazing job. So, um, I'm sure there, I'm sure, uh, I think the early bird tickets might have sold out or, or about to sell out. Um, uh, but, but, uh, maybe we'll be able to get a discount code at some point. Um, but, but if you go, I'll be there. So feel free to say hi. Um, yeah, but I'm but I'm really excited to to do that one too. Uh, 
it's uh it's it's kind of i think what i mentioned last week it's a little bit weird to well weird in the best way possible to give a talk at your company's conference because there's already so much like happiness and sort of joy for your thing you know so you go in kind of feeling like oh well you know i could trip up stage and it won't be horrible you know um i think last year if i remember correctly right as i began the talk and i was like ready to go i was like so energetic and i'm like hi my name's kyle you know i'm gonna tell you all about this stuff and then like something really loud fell over backstage like really loud or like somebody honked a horn or something there was a car back there like something didn't make sense i don't remember what exactly it was but i remember it just like immediately being like oh god what have i done you know but like the audience was like so like oh that's funny that's great don't worry about it like keep going so um i i think it's i think it's special uh if you if you if you're lucky enough to work at a company that's mm-hmm. large enough to give a conference or a company that sort of just aligns with your uh goals or values or sort of experiences uh, uh i highly recommend submitting a cfp and talking there because when you're talking to what you think are your people um, it's just a lot easier, which I think kind of fits in with what you did really. Yes. Um, cause I, I'm, I'm based on what you've told me, I imagine that audience is, is your people, um, uh, at least from a, a work background. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it was all performing arts organizations. It was cool because not a lot of developers volunteer to do a talk like that. And so sure. I got a lot of tweets being like, oh no, you're really raising the bar on the developers. Now we actually have to like talk at these <laughs> conferences. And I'm like, sorry. That's awesome. <laughs> but um, I really do hope that you pull a Jennifer Lawrence going upstage, you know, when she went to get her Oscars, <laughs> because that was a class move. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not so sure I'll be able to pull it off as well. I think I'll just probably cry or something. Well, if you wear the dress, I think you could pull it off. So anything's possible. I might, I might have to start practicing now, but But I did look over the agenda and I really do like conferences that do have that interactive piece. I like to come Mm -hmm. home with something versus just sitting and listening. So it it looked like day one looks really fantastic. And of course you're closing out the show. So, I mean, that's a lot of trust, Kyle. Oh, boy yeah i'm not so sure about that we'll see and this year they're not doing uh the last couple of years they've always done like a final keynote speaker and last year was a roman mars from 99 percent uh, in, uh invisible and uh and it was so good but like there's a reason to stay <laughs> and now like there's no reason to stay and so i'm gonna be very curious to see kind of how it how it pans out but yeah i mean uh, we'll see it's like i said it's a cool conference it's not as um um it's not as corporate as I would expect a company's conference, if that kind of makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, like to be totally blunt, like my talk is, is, is probably the most kind of corporate you know, it's like, Hey, GitHub, you can build an integration on GitHub and make money. That's cool. Like le- learn how. Um, but most of the other talks are very much just awesome, like just completely awesome and uh, relevant because they're relevant to developers and technology companies and not necessarily because, you know, like one-to-one because you use GitHub or want to use GitHub or whatever. So oh, that makes sense. Well, awesome. I can't wait to hear about out. how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think uh, usually they stream them. So, uh, so you can uh, tune in live <laughs> yes. <laughs> and watch me blow it right on dinner time on East coast. So <laughs> yes. awesome. Well, um, I'm going to talk about the workshop that I'm planning. Um, yeah. so I am, so are you familiar with like rails bridge, closure bridge, those kinds of bridge foundry type classes? Yeah, I am, but I think it might be good to kind of yeah. give a quick one-on-one for the listeners. Yeah, so there's basically this wonderful nonprofit called Bridge Foundry. It started with Rails Bridge, and basically these are 
free workshops that are set out to bring in more diverse populations into the developer community. And so it's really started to branch out. So there's Rails Bridge, Elixir Bridge, Closure Bridge, iOS Bridge, just a ton of them. And so um, when I was in San Francisco, they would they would have one at least once a week. And, you know, as I was learning how to code, I thought it was a great idea to TA um, for those kinds of things, just to really make sure that I understood Rails and, you know, really got to work one on one because, the, you know, really the best way to learn is to teach. And mm -hmm. so I did that in both Oakland and San Francisco. But when I moved back to Pittsburgh, I found out that no one had been running those workshops for at least eight years. And so I ended up running a Rails bridge out of the uh, Museum of Art here, which was really fun. And then I did a more advanced workshop in Clojure uh, about a year later. But now I'm planning my next one, and I'm the first one to be doing an Alexa bridge, which um, I really I love Amazon Alexa. Actually, every single day during our stand-up at work, we play Jeopardy before we start the day using Alexa. That's awesome. It's really fun. It's We get really amped up. We have to be in the top 1% of the day. Otherwise, it's not good enough. It's not good enough to answer all the questions correct. We have to be in the top 1%. So, wow. Yeah. I, that's awesome, man. We try. We, we do try. We, we make mistakes. And sometimes Alexa doesn't understand us. So... <laughs> you do your best. But um, yeah, so it's been interesting because normally um, Bridge Foundry provides you all the curriculum. And so it's pretty easy to set these up. But since this is the first Alexa bridge, I'm really I'm going to be working with, you know, pretty much absolute beginners. So the first day we're going to be going over Git, GitHub and the command line. And then a week later, we'll be actually building a skill using Amazon Alexa. So, yeah, it should, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. I I I uh I I built a skill for like um some home automation stuff. Oh, neat. Um and it was good. I had a little I had a little bit of trouble at first primarily because like uh what was it? Like Alexa expects HTTPS yes. or demands it mm -hmm. and I'm like just going to like a Raspberry Pi in my house and so like it ended up being a little bit of a hassle to like kind of like massage everything. But the interesting part I thought was more so the Hum, like humanizing it yes. I guess if that makes sense you yes. know like how humans actually talk because mm -hmm. at first I was like uh, Alexa turn off the bedroom light upstairs you know in 10 minutes or like whatever it was but like nobody talks like that no. you know <laughs> <laughs> and so uh and so like and I ended up having to like program so many different variations so that way like me and my wife would both be able to like talk normally and um I think I think Alexa highlights that as a in very interesting technology problem where you know, I must have had like 15 ways to, to execute the same like command, you know, yes. like the same exact thing, but just sort of like depending on my mood, uh, I had to make it work all those different ways. Well, one one thing that's funny about the humanizing thing is that I think it was last year at reInvent, they announced that Alexa can now whisper and her whisper is so creepy. <laughs> so creepy. Oh, I, is there any way is, is there anything that you know that uses that that I could like? No, try I'd it? have to check. I don't know if many people are imp are implementing it. It's really. Yeah, I, I well, but see that would be really useful because like I, I gave I gave it a skill that was like Alexa. Um, and I, and because of the weird like invocation pattern, I had to make it say like tell Baxter good night. And Baxter Aww. was like the name of my like home automation system yeah. because of just how it was. So like for it to just say like good night would be like really <laughs> helpful because usually at that that point like uh, i have a couple of dots around the house and oh. so every once in a while like i'll be like hey alexa you know 
blah, 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 blah. And it's like 11 at night and it's like, you know, okay, I changed the thing down to the, you know, and it's like, shh, quiet, quiet down. Like I kind of wanted to be able to say like, Alexa, volume one, and then like the commands, you know, um, but the, 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 even if Alexa's super creepy, I think that uh, I think if she would whisper after like 8 p.m., that'd be very helpful. I completely agree. I think it would also be great for a ghost stories app. So. Oh, geez. No, I'm good. I'm good. Alexa already says some kind of creepy things. So. She really does, especially when you find out that she's been listening and you don't realize it. <laughs> she's, she chimes yeah. in. Yeah. That's always good. Oh, man. But I've noticed with um, Amazon in general, with the programming languages that they support, they almost seem to have like a first string and a second string. So right now, Lambda supports, which is the the um, the service. So Alexa is combined mm-hmm. with two different things. So you have Lambda where you're actually running the functions and then you have Lex, which is their proprietary software that actually interprets speech recognition. And so right now, Lambda supports, I believe, C Sharp, .NET, Python and Java. And I, I just have a funny feeling by the end of the year, I think Ruby's going to start being supported. I, I, I'm pretty confident in that. And I'm really excited for yeah. that because a lot of my bootcamp students are being trained in Ruby. So it'd be sure. really exciting to be able to have them use Ruby directly in on Amazon. Now, someone did come out with a like a, a, a Ruby library that does like compile down into one of those languages. So you can place it onto Lambda, but I'd love to see them support Ruby directly. Yeah, yeah, definitely for sure. I, I I remember writing JavaScript for it so I could use like the Lambda um, for some other project. I can't remember what I was working on. Um, and it was fine, but I think it, I think it would be very helpful if it would just ultimately support Ruby. Totally. Um, for a while there, Amazon was giving away dots or even um, full Alexas. I think if you published like a skill, they totally were. Uh, Block was the first right? boot camp to have. Um, to have an Alexa basically lesson where you could do that. And they were doing, they were doing full echoes, then they were doing dots and then they were doing t-shirts. I was lucky enough (laughs) that I reached out to them and I told them I was doing Alexa bridge and they sent me a bunch of stickers. And I figure if my workshop is terrible, as long as I hand out great stickers, it will be a success. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So that'll work out quite nicely. I'm partnering with a new organization in Pittsburgh called moms can code and um, they are going to be bringing free childcare. So I'm excited about that because I feel like with this workshop, I'm going to be, you know, accessing different uh, parts of the population. So I'm, I'm excited. Um, I do know that I probably need to stock some juice boxes, uh, <laughs> um, some other kid type things for the kids to eat. But otherwise, I think it'll be cool because I'm just really eager to get more women interested in, yeah. in programming. That's awesome. Yeah, that's so awesome. I, I I really love like even when conferences conferences and stuff like that, um, you know, just being able to provide childcare is just such a boon. Um, yeah, that's that's so exciting. Yeah, I love that. Well, speaking of a uh, of Amazon, you probably heard the big announcement last week that they are going to be looking for a second headquarters. In I did see that, but but I got really unexcited when what was it? It was like. It needs to have some obscene amount of acreage and walkable urban location with 1.5 million people or something yes, like that. Yes, I mean it. Like I knew it was super <laughs> specific because at first I was like, oh crap, like this will be awesome. Um, like sure, like even if it was in Boston, like I live in Connecticut, but if, if it was in Boston, that'd be cool too. Um, but like I just, I'm like, okay, like 
that I just don't know where they would go, you know, because they basically are asking like, hi, we would like to build a city in your city. Yes. Uh, you cool? You cool? With oh, that? but we're going to need a like, ton of tax breaks, though. Like we're going to build yeah, a exactly. city, but we're going to need you to not charge us at all. Exactly. <laughs> where are we going to put all the Amazon lockers otherwise? Uh so yeah, I, I did see that though. I was and I was very sort of uh, uh, intrigued when I saw it, when I saw that announcement because it was very much like, hey, um, we're gonna spend like eight billion dollars or whatever the the crazy number was that they put in that news article, and then it was like the final line was like, and Amazon is accepting proposals from cities now or whatever, oh, yeah. you know, please come running. You, and they will. <laughs> so I, uh, so I'm gonna take a guess. So we will have this recorded on the podcast. This is me taking my guess. I think they're going to pick Atlanta. If I had to pick one, I'm feeling pretty good. I feel like since they're in Seattle, I feel like Mm -hmm. Southeast makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. But Pittsburgh is definitely trying for it. But the city that's really trying for it is Detroit. Detroit wants it so bad. And so it's like I almost want them to get it because they want it so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But keep. I mean, oh, go ahead. It it was, I mean, it's like, I think it was 50, was it 50,000 workers? Oh, yes, 50,000. Right. It was huge. But on that respect, can you imagine being a recruiter for a company for which city they ever choose? Like, can you imagine like if you were in charge of like Google recruiting and they came in and were just like, we're hiring all your folk. (laughs) I mean, it's going to be absolutely crazy. That's crazy. That's why I don't think that they'll pick a place like Austin that like that is such a heavy tech hub. But like Atlanta, I feel is just appealing enough. I'd be surprised if they went to Boston. I'd be surprised if they went to Pittsburgh. But hey, you know, I I feel like they should be running bets on this just like a football game. Yeah, I agree. I I agree. Like I I keep thinking of like Buffalo and stuff like that, you know, like cities that are relatively large, a little bit off the grid-ish, you know, know, like not New York, not not Boston, you know, so on. Um, But big enough, walkable places people want to go hipster at you know oh yeah but yeah i'll be curious i'll be curious to hear i I think it's exciting i mean um i definitely hmm, i I, what i'm trying what i think i want to say in my current view of the world is i i really appreciate like companies that are spread out Mm -hmm. you know um like granted i'm remote right Mm -hmm. and so like of course that benefits me but um uh even uh the 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 large company my wife works at i mean they have offices you know every three states essentially and so it's really nice because as a family you know you can move wherever you want and know that your job is safe Mm -hmm. even if you can't do remote or whatever you can just kind of go i'm gonna go work over here now um and so i I really like that over the like mega location you know where it's basically one location and then a bunch of tiny crappy locations if if that you know um so i i'm i'm hopeful that that's um that's the move and i've seen a couple of articles that kind of say like hey the suburbs are back basically like you know uh, uh as as millennials try to get jobs and as companies try to find space the two the two don't match up and you know you can get us you can get something that's a slightly more suburban or at least not sort of one of the big 10 cities in the world where all the companies are located so i'd be curious to see how that pans out i totally agree they'll have to change all their job ads where it says relocation to seattle mandatory so <laughs> that'll be that'll be fun but yeah I, i'm completely interested to see what happens because it is a big deal so yeah um, okay, so I promised to update you on my Rails 5 things. Yes, yeah. yes, please. Okay, so the one side project that I talked about, um, the mental health app. So my coworker and I, um, 
we, we got to work it on it during the day at work the other day because um, a construction worker actually severed our intranet at work. So that was a good time. (laughs) (laughs) It was amusing to see what happens when the intranet goes down because like our copiers stopped working. You like just all this random stuff like went down. The lights stopped working. (laughs) It was like, Oh, I guess we're really dependent on these cables. Okay. So they luckily repaired it within the day, but we're like, Hey, this is a really good, you know good time for us to experiment on something. So we worked on Action Cable. And honestly, Kyle, it took us like 30 minutes to get it up and running. I was really impressed. I really thought it was going to be a lot more work. Now, granted, I do my front-end partner is very fluent in JavaScript, which I am not. So I was lucky to have that. But otherwise, uh, two thumbs up from me on, on Action Cable because I, I thought it was really nice to use. We were really excited about it. And, you know... The only dependency that we ended up having to add in was Redis. So I was really happy. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Now, on the other side, we also decided on our, we have two production apps um, at work. And so one is our lightweight one and one is our e-commerce app. So our e-commerce application is going to be deployed to be upgraded to Rails 5 this week. So fingers crossed there. It should be fine. But on the... The, the lighter weight one, we implemented Yarn and deployed that last week. And that was way harder than I thought it was going to be. Just because up to this point, we weren't using Node or NPM. It it ended up going from like one dependency to like eight dependencies. And I'm just really hoping hmm. that this is going to be worth it in the long run. Just because I had to do yeah. a lot of like server work and updating our scripts in order to make Yarn work. So it's making our pre-compiles really fast, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. It makes Mm -hmm. our deployments way faster. So I just hope in the long run that this is the right move. Yeah, I'll I'll be curious. I'll be curious to hear, too, because, I mean, I think that like some some things like uh, some of these things are definitely optimized for the beginning, you know, and not necessarily the end Uh, and and some some kind of just, you know, equal are equal the entire time. So I think it'd be awesome to hear more as you, uh, you know, as you end up using it to kind of report in. and see and see sort of what some of the troubles are i was talking to some people uh who heard the episode and and they were uh i would say overall the the general reaction was pretty much yeah action cable like if you need this you know this is just as good as anything else uh and so you know if, if you have an opinion on this i'd love to hear about it uh i'm sure Britt would too so you know be sure to hit us up on twitter and we can kind of uh hear more about uh the action cable isms as folks sort of use it and move to it uh, over time there was another project that i helped out at, uh on um, a couple weeks ago and they were doing real time through again through the service pusher that I mentioned oh, yeah. so um, I've yet to run into action cable used in the wild uh, in something that I've I've touched but I know a ton of people are using it so um, I'll be definitely be interested to kind of hear how that how that continues to pan out for people I would love to hear a great success story around the new encrypted keys feature with rails 5 uh, yeah. because mm-hmm. I just I, I can't I can't do it Kyle like <laughs> You can't do it. Why not? No, it's just like you end up having to generate this file and you get dispensed a key like one time. And so basically Mm -hmm. that's the key to your lock that unlocks that file. So basically you're committing Mm -hmm. your keys and you have this master key. But my my issue is I don't know where to put that master key so that it's safe. So it's just I, I can't get past that yet. So same as what Kyle was saying, I would love to hear a success story around encrypted keys, because as of right now, our app uses probably around 50 keys. 
And so if we're any of those were to get compromised, it would be not fun for me at all. So yeah, I, I haven't crossed the line yet uh, on that. So, but I, it's awesome to see all the new features that's coming out of rails and, you know, I'm excited to hear from Joel about active storage. I was goading him that I'm hoping on his next episode, he'll talk about that. Yeah. I, yeah. I, like I've seen these keys and there's another open source project that I think did something similar. Maybe it got consumed by rails mm -hmm. or something like that. But, um, but you still have to like load the key, the master key in the environment. Exactly. And so, so like, so to me, like my, in my experience with keys is you, the thing to focus on is the ease of rollability. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like when you need to swap a key, like, can you, can you have two keys at once? Like, whatever services you're using, do they only allow you to have one key? Mm. And I mean, most like including GitHub's API, right? Generally only allows you to have one right. key. And so when you want to roll keys, you need to do them quote at the same time mm. or you will incur downtime. Uh, and so like, it feels like the big thing is when I need to roll a key because it's compromised because someone got let go and we need to roll keys for safety measures because someone lost their laptop, so on and so forth. Like all of these solutions are solving the problem of basically like, if, if, if I gained access to your repo, which is kind of usually like cracking the shell anyway, like everything's horrible, um, <laughs> you, you might not want to push like all your secrets up to GitHub unencrypted, for example, or whatever to whatever you're using for hosting. But like if regardless of how you sort of solve the problem, environment variables, configuration, um, encrypted secrets, whatever, I think like being able to roll a key adequately and knowing like how would we roll this pusher key, this Amazon key, whatever, uh, when it is inevitably compromised, um, like is that something that we could do quickly or not? I feel like that's like the big thing that you need to uh, or my takeaway from life <laughs> being screwed by every every key being exposed ever um, like how to handle that oh absolutely I can just envision the slack messages of being like hey do you have that master key I can't seem to find it oh I thought you had it Oh right, no! Right. <laughs> like, or you know, or like basically accidentally exposing that, yes. or accidentally exposing you know whatever, like putting that in a repo and so on and so forth. Because then you have to put this key in the environment somehow, and usually that's tricky depending on where you're deploying. So uh, turtles all the way down. But I mean, I think that this is. Uh, I think this could definitely optimize for like say like Heroku use cases. Yes. You know where it's basically like I just want to make it easy for all the 400 keys I need, and then I'm going to put this one in the environment variable in Heroku and just say okay i'm cool with that exposure and deal with it but um but generally i feel like most times at some point just being able to roll keys quickly uh and adequately is the is the tricky bit totally agreed oh man um it was great chatting with you Britt. always a pleasure i'm, I'm glad i'm glad your talk <laughs> went well you're a, you're very busy uh, you got a lot going on so next time we can check in on uh how uh uh, how the Alexa bits went. Maybe you can kind of share your, your experience uh, with the class and if folks are interested. Cause I, I think if you own an Echo or a Dot, you're kind of interested because, especially if you work in web tech, it's like oh, something tangible. Yes, and consumers <laughs> know world. about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly. And so maybe your mom has one and you can write a skill, especially for her or whatever. So um, I think it'd be great to hear uh, hear how those classes Definitely. go. Definitely. Um, uh, you know, I, I hope GitHub Universe goes splendidly. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I'm going to uh, put a... Uh, I think I'm going to put a link uh, maybe to your talk in uh, show oh, cool. notes so folks, okay. can, uh, folks can follow along. Please do. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. We'll have a great week. All right, Britt. Talk soon. Bye.